It's always a good thing to hear this many people talking about stuff that they're grateful for. Um, you guys can uh, continue to do that and uh, after church. It's going to be an awesome time. So, if you guys want to grab your Bibles, uh, whether you have a physical one or on your phone, um, and go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37. Matthew chapter 5, 33 to 37. Um, and I'll have it up on the, on the backboard here as well, just in case. But I always encourage you to read it in your, read it in your, um, uh, right in front of you, in your own Bible. It's, uh, there's something special about that. Um, so we've been going through a series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is, uh, as lo and behold, found in Matthew 5, where we're here today. Um, Matthew 5 to 7. And it's kind of one of, as Matthew tells it, um, it's like the first major sermon. It's the first major thing he says in his ministry after he's baptized, after he's gone through the wilderness and the temptation in the wilderness, 40 days and nights. Um, and then he, he talks about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And then he starts speaking this message. He starts speaking this message. And we've gone through the Beatitudes. We've gone through... Uh, the fulfilment of the law. And I'm skipping ahead a little bit and then we'll, we'll come back next week to a different part. Um, this part you kind of don't need necessarily in order. Um, but why don't we join with me and we'll, we'll read this. Uh, so, it says in th- verse 33, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, nor for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the, king, of the great king. <clears throat> Excuse me. And do not, take, uh, do not take on an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So, some politicians uh, we have known in our time or in Australia or even around the world are well known for, particularly during times when they want to get elected in, uh, for making really big promises. Yeah? They make these lofty promises like, I'm going to get rid of the toll roads, um, or the, at least the, the money for the toll roads. Toll roads. Um, <laughs> hopefully not the whole toll road, that would suck. <laughs> like, oh no, what a horrible promise. Um, <laughs> Uh, they promise we'll build this, we'll make jobs, we'll get us out of debt, we'll do this, this and that. I'm going to stand for this cause and all these different kinds of things. And I'm not going to say that always they're like, nah, they don't do it. But quite often there's a bit of a distaste in Australia, I've noticed, where politicians don't follow through with these promises. They, they say these huge things and then they kind of, just to kind of almost suck you in, to kind of entice you to kind of vote, vote for them. And you're kind of like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like, of course I'm going to go there. And then, of course I want to follow this person and I'll vote for them. And then when they get in, it's kind of like they've done a sleight of hand and they end up not doing it. And sometimes this, this can happen. And no one likes this. No one likes this. Um, because it's kind of like selling an idea so much to entice you so they can have their support, but in the end, they're just empty words. I can't think of one person who likes going through that. No one likes being lied to. No one likes being lied to. We think something is going to be a reality. We kind of go, I can trust this, and then all of a sudden it breaks down. 
It's not there. It hurts. It's painful. As I'm sure many of us have experienced at some point, at some level in our life, um, the pain of when someone's lied to us or when, that has, when they've promised something, taken an oath and they've lied. And this is a very similar thing to what this passage is kind of talking about. And Jesus is he's addressing um, kind of these religious leaders of the first century. Um, he, he talks about the Pharisees and the scribes quite a lot. And we've talked a little bit about them. Um, and these were kind of the Jewish uh, religious leaders of the time. And they, they were making lofty, like these huge promises. They were making these promises and oaths to people in order to gain their approval, a bit like politicians. But, when, but then they would often not hold to these promises. And this is kind of a part of what Jesus is addressing here, is that they weren't holding to these oaths, these vows, these promises. It was kind of another reason uh, uh, that Jesus called them hypocrites. He calls them this like quite a lot. He has the harshest words for these guys. He really doesn't like what they're doing. But he has the heart enough to tell them what they're doing wrong. And so he calls them hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. But the worst part about what they were doing, the worst part about this is that they, were making, they weren't just making these oaths to, to people in front of them, um, but they were making these oaths to God. They were making them to him. They were making this kind of promise to God. So they were not only being dishonest to the people in front of them by making these, these vows, these oaths, but even worse, they were being dishonest to God. They were being dishonest to God. They were lying to him effectively. They were lying to God. And it doesn't take a genius to see in the Bible that God doesn't like that. Um, it's, not, it's not great. You shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. It's, one, it's kind of one-on-one in a way. And essentially what Jesus is doing here is saying that unlike the Pharisees, unlike these leaders, you should not promise or swear any oath because you should just be good to your word, in a way. I don't actually think he's completely against um, making promises or oaths or different things like that. It does seem that way, but you kind of see it all throughout the Bible that he makes these kind of things. Um, but I think he's, he's, he's attacking this kind of, he's, um, he's addressing this kind of thing where people make these oaths and then they don't follow through with it. And he's kind of saying, don't do that, just actually be a person of your word. Just, if you say yes, say yes. Actually follow through with it. If you're going to say no, then say no. Don't do it. That kind of of thing. There's a sense in which in in a perfect world, which isn't the world that we live in, in a perfect world, you shouldn't need oaths or vows. Yeah, We shouldn't need to make promises. I shouldn't need to make a promise to my friends or my wife or the people in front of me because I should just be a person of my word. I should just be able to say yes and that means yes. No, that means no. And our current cultural moment is, um, I make a big generalisation here, I'm not saying everyone's horrible at this, but I'm noticing that we're not that great at it. We're not that great at it in Australia. Our word seldom means anything anymore. Um, we see in movies, I've, I just remembered this when I was writing this, that you and I notice this the most probably in movies and shows, is like, you've got my word. They'll make a promise uh, and then they'll usually handshake. You've got my word. I will do this. I will do this. And they'll shake hands and the, guy, the other person might be like, okay, I trust you. You better pull through. You better pull through. And that meant something. It meant something because it was your reputation on the line, yeah? When you said yes to someone, 
You're like, your reputation was on the line. People won't trust you if you keep saying yes, but then you don't do what you're going to say. Um, they won't trust you if you say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that, but they end up doing it. Um, over time, your reputation will just kind of begin to fade away. And I, I thought about that, but really I'm finding that, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect at all, I'll make this point later, but um, I'm finding that a lot of people either don't care about this or they're oblivious to it. Um, because there's, there's so many people in our time that make these promises and they say yes, as we've already talked about, to kind of different things, and then it ends up just being a complete lie. Or they end up being kind of really unreliable. They're kind of like, their word really doesn't mean that much, and then you're kind of, kind of like, can I, can I trust you? Can I trust you? And it affects that trustworthiness when you, when you don't hold to your own word. And people will not be good to their word sometimes, usually for some sort of temporary gain for themselves. They're usually for some sort of temporary gain for themselves, um, but then it's at the expense of other people usually. It's at the expense of other people when we lie. It's devious. It sucks. It's not good. But it, it, and it, I guarantee it, it, it almost always catches up to people. It almost always catches up to people. And in a general sense... This is, the, this is a biblical principle that we should actually seek to follow in how we interact with each other. We should interact with each other in this way. We should be a people that are true to our word. When we say yes, we mean yes. When we say no, we mean no. Not some weird in-between. We actually just like definitive, that's where we are, and we go from there. Part of loving each other is being able to do this. It's being able to do this. And I'll come back to this in a moment, but I think outside of just how we interact with each other, there's almost a, an even more important kind of principle at work here. There's a more important thing and than just how we do it with each other. But we should be good to our word, first and foremost, to the Lord. I think that's our highest priority. That when we say yes to him, and we'll go into this in a bit, when we say yes to him, and when we say no to certain things, that we stick to it. That we are a person of our word. Because this is what, this is what, the, um, this is what Jesus is actually talking to. He's talking not as much, like obviously there's a flow-on effect of how it affects people when you're not good to your word. But there's, the main heart of what he's getting at here is that we should be true to our word to the Lord. We should be someone that's trustworthy or seeking to be there. We'll never be perfect, but we're seeking to be there. Because it's quite detrimental when we're not. It's detrimental to us, but it's detrimental to other people as well. Um, But detrimental to God. Not being good to your word doesn't actually reflect the character of the God we see in the Bible. The God that we see in history. Because... If you look through all throughout the Bible, God is, is, is good to his word. When he says he's going to do something, he does it. When he says no, he doesn't. He's good to his word. And some things are yet to still happen. They're in process. They're in motion at the moment. But he is still good to his word. We see over and over that God makes these promises and these covenants, covenants sorry, that he is so loyal to, whether it's to do with the promised land, getting them out of slavery, sending a Messiah, never sending a flood again, 
never leaving nor forsaking us, giving us hope in a future, giving us salvation and so on and so forth. He makes, he, he makes these promises. He gives us his word and he is true to it. <coughs> he is true to this. That God is a God that when he speaks, we can actually rely on him. We can rely on him and what he says. Unlike humans, he's actually reliable 100% of the time. And that's a weird concept to wrap your head around. It is really, really hard because it can be easy to kind of put God in the same kind of box as how some of our experience with humans because that's mainly what we experience. You know what I mean? We don't see a perfect example of someone being completely trustworthy right here, right now around us. Even the best kind of people in our life still make mistakes. They still do. And this, it's just not what we see around us. So it's hard to kind of, at least in my mind, I don't know about you guys, but it's hard to fathom that God is actually completely reliable and that I can completely trust him and therefore kind of have freedom in that. It's a hard one to wrap your head around. And we can almost put him in that box. But I want to say tonight that, it, and it might take time to get there. Uh, maybe there's been significant like things happen in your life where, um, where you might have trust issues, and that is perfectly fine. I get it. But, and it might happen over time, but can I encourage us tonight that he is not like those people. He's not like the dishonest person. He is not like the bad times that you've had in the past. He is not that. He is completely trustworthy. We can put a whole heart and a whole trust, a faith into him, and he will provide. He is there. He loves us, every part of us. Our God is a God that when he speaks, we can rely on what he says. And there's a lot of comfort in this. There's a huge amount of comfort in this, I find. The more, like the, and the more I remember it, the more comforted I am. It's when I forget this that it gets pretty tricky. But it's comforting. But, but this is even more the reason why we need to be a people that our, our yes means yes and our no means no because we serve a God and we love a God that actually is good to his word. And we want to reflect that in how we live our lives and what we say and how we act, the thoughts that we have. We want to be a people that actually that do that because we serve a God that does that and we want people to see Him. We want Him to work in people's lives, to set them free, to find that love. And when we don't do this, I'm not saying we need to be perfect, but when we mess up and we're careless with what we say, then we're not actually reflecting God well. We're not. I'm not. And we're not glorifying him before others in a way that we should. And this affects our relationship with others. And that's how I mean. Like It should, should actually affect you. How you're actually good to your word with God affects how you're good to your word with people on the ground, in, on earth, I mean. Um, it actually affects it. It actually it has this flow-on effect. And so it's kind of like a flow. We need our... Um, we need to be good with our word with God and that will flow into how we're good to our word with others. We want to show people the God that we serve. We don't want people to think that we're not trustworthy. That way they go, those Christians, man, that, that Jesus follower, they'd, nah, they've, they've made so many mistakes and I can't trust their word. Um, and even in that case, if that's the case, we need to work hard to kind of go, I'm sorry. And we may never, ever win someone back, but we need to apologize. <coughs> 
But there's another important aspect here of the fact that we shouldn't want to lie to God in the first place. Um, I don't think we should want to lie to him in the first place. He's, he's this almighty creator God who loves us, who's there for our good. He's there for our good and he wants us to see us thrive. He's done so much for us. He's given us salvation when we didn't deserve it. He's given us new life when we definitely didn't deserve it. He's given us so much and he just desires this relationship with us so much. So why would I, for instance, this is a different kind of analogy, but why on earth would I want to lie to my wife? Do you know what I mean? I have a loving like, relationship with her and it's not like just this random kind of thing from a distance that I'm half investing in. It's like I don't want to lie to her because it's going to hurt her. It's not going to do well. And like you don't want to do this with your friends because you don't want to hurt them as well. You want to honour them. You want it to go well. But in any huge way, we don't want to do this with God because we love him. Because he gives us everything we need. So summing up so far, I've got a little bit more. We should be a people of our word because we serve a God that is good to his word. We should be a people that are good to our word because we serve a God that is good to his word. Secondly, but more importantly, we want to be good to our word to him because it glorifies him when we do and it defames him when we don't. It reflects him well when we're good to our word. And thirdly, we should want to be a people that is good to our word to each other because this ref- also reflects God and doesn't add to the chaos that we see around us, the deception, the pain, the struggle that so many people go through because they're not good to their word, because they lie. So, <clears throat> with that said, my question for us tonight, and I'll basically be spending the, the rest of the, the message on this. My question tonight is, what are some of the kind of the oaths, what are the vows, what are the promises, probably the better word that we use a lot. What are some of the promises where we've said yes and no to God that we've made but we don't take serious? What are some of the yeses and the nos that we've, say, we've said to God in, in history that we haven't taken serious enough? Because I think this asks, we need to ask this question because it's easy to look at the, at the religious leaders in the first century and kind of go, oh yeah, they suck, they're, they're bad, like I'm not like that. But often we, we, we can be like that. We're not kind of excluded. Um, I talk really bad about them, but often we can be just as bad in many, many ways. So we need to be asking these questions. We need to allow God and, and, and people, close people around us to help search our heart about, hang on, you, you said yes to this, but you, you haven't been following through with that. Your, your life has said no, in a way. What's, what's happening in this gap here and how can we get there? So that's my question for tonight. Because <clears throat> I think a huge one, and I'm just going to, these are just, I'm just going to throw some out there. Um, this was kind of some of the stuff that I was thinking about myself and about some, some other people. And I, I think a huge one is salvation. Um, we've said yes to salvation. Um, we've said yes to taking up our cross and following him. We've said yes to denying ourselves and following him. We've said yes to these things, to salvation. And so often I find is that as Christians living in Australia, 
we can fall into the trap of making God kind of a side project where he's kind of, he's not the main thing that we're after and that we're doing and the main kind of like core of who we are and why we're alive, but it's kind of like a kind of side project, you know. And he's part of our lives, but not fully integrated into our lives rather than just being the centre of our lives. And sometimes being a follower of Jesus can just be something you do on particular days or with particular people. Maybe it's on a Sunday, maybe it's on a Friday or at a home group or something like that, but then outside of that, it's, it's, it's not the same. Maybe it's just with particular people that you see and then other people it's, it doesn't apply. You're kind of like, no, like my God is not my goal here, but he is here. Do you know what I mean? Maybe we haven't actually fully said yes to God um, when we actually have. We've kind of made that commitment, but we haven't fully said yes in all aspects of our life. Maybe that's one of them. And in response to the grace of God shown to us, us as sinners, we've pledged our allegiance to him. We've gone, God, I want to follow you and I don't want to follow that anymore. I don't want to follow that anymore. And I want to follow you. I want to serve you for the rest of my days. And that is something that we've said yes to. That is something we've said yes to. But then you, have, you haven't maybe been good to your word. I think to some degree we all struggle with this. I'm not saying I'm the perfect guy or there's any perfect person really. But maybe we've let it go. Maybe we've let it go too far. Maybe we're just not trying anymore. And we've said yes to God, but then we're kind of like, ah, I can't be bothered anymore. And I've said this before, but it can actually be really easy to do this when life is, is actually pretty good and comfortable. We live in a pretty good, pretty good time um, where we were just literally talking about that, you know, kind of things we're thankful for. We live in an awesome time where, where we, we are comfortable. Life is pretty good. We have very little in, in, in reality to actually uh, whinge about. And that's been convicting for me recently. Um, and you kind of, within that kind of, um, kind of framework, you can get the feeling that you, you can do a pretty good job of living your life without God. You're kind of like, I don't need to really say yes to him because I'm fairly self-sufficient. I, can, I have a reasonable life, it's, which is okay, and, like, and I can be self-sufficient. And when there is a feeling of this self-sufficiency, then there's a very, there's kind of, there's, seem, there's a seemingly less of a need to actually say yes to God, to, to have God in our lives. But true to the call, and I think, I think this is quite deceiving in our time, because the call for every follower of Jesus is to follow him without everything. It's whether we're comfortable, or whether we're stressed, whether we're really happy or whether we're feeling really anxious, whether we're feeling all these different things, the different ends of the spectrum, whether we have nothing or whether we have everything, the same rule applies. The gospel doesn't just apply to people that are feeling extreme need. It applies to those like us who have a lot and we have been blessed. It like applies almost more to us than it does because it can be easier when you have nothing to go, God, I want I just need you. But when we have so much, then it's, 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 it's almost harder. You kind of don't even realize you're doing it. That's my kind of feeling about it. But our call is to follow him with everything that we are, no matter where we're at. Another one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. 
with all of you, every aspect of who you are, not just your physical person, not just your mind, but everything, everything. And that's what we've said yes to. That's what we've said yes to. Discipleship to Jesus isn't meant to be part-time. It's not meant to be part-time, only in kind of particular context, that type of thing. It's not meant to. The call to lay down our lives and take up our cross and follow him is a full-time way of life. It's a full-time way of life. And we've said yes to that. We've said yes to that. We're meant to imitate Jesus in how he laid down his life for us. And Jesus, and, and part, again, we want to do that because we've seen him do that. And, he's, and that's kind of what he said. He's like, if you want to follow me, you pretty much have to do the exact kind of same thing that I'm doing. I laid down my life. You didn't see Jesus kind of half lay down his life or like half die and he's like, oh, just kidding, bye. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't happen that way. So he, the kind of the call for us is exactly the same. We don't know, necessarily literally need to die on a cross. I'm not saying that. But we need to, in, in theoretically, it's just like we go from a point where we were living just for ourselves and we go, God, I want to live for you now. I'm laying down what I want, whether that's a, a good or a bad thing, uh, the good and bad parts of me, but I want to I submit my will, what I want to do um, to you and I want to love you and I want to love others. We've said yes to that. We've said yes to that. We need to follow Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. A very popular passage. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do everything to the glory of God. No matter what it is, we've said yes to that. If we're walking down the street, if we're brushing our teeth, we're making food, hanging out with friends or family, working, studying, doing the shopping, in your thoughts at home, whatever it might be, then we're called to do it to his glory. Now, that doesn't mean that you kind of just have to do like you're just hanging out with your friends and you're like secretly praying at the same time as like talking to them or something like that. You don't have to like whip out your Bible every two seconds when you're like trying to mow the lawn. You're just like, what's going on? Like, it's not exactly really what that's, what that's saying. Those things are actually definitely a part of it, the Bible and, 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 and worshipping God and praying to him. But it's like, as you're doing it, the point of it, even if it's some mundane task, it's all for his glory. You do it for his glory, not just for some random reason or for yourself. It's for him. It's centered on him. He's not a side project. He's the center project. He is the project of our life. And everything comes out from there. Hopefully that makes sense. But the last one I kind of want to point out is... We've said yes to Jesus. When we say, we, saying yes to Jesus, sorry, means seeking to live by the truth of his word. Saying yes to Jesus means seeking to live by the truth of his word. We've talked about this a little bit, but we, we, we live in a time where more and more truth, truth is by and large up to you. It's, uh, it's up to you, particularly when it comes to, to morals about what is kind of like right and, right and wrong. For many, truth is, is whatever you kind of want it to be. It's up to your kind of subjective opinion of what is right and what is wrong. And, and what this actually creates, what this creates is less and less common ground that we can, we can work from. 
It creates less and less common ground that we share on how we can do life, about what is true in life, because everybody has different ideas of what is definitely true in life. And of course you're going to have a certain amount of diversity, but when you're encouraging a whole generation to do it, there's going to be a huge diversity. It's going to be absolutely massive and it'll be chaotic and there won't be anywhere near as much common ground that we can work with when it comes to what is true. It's kind of, we live by these different things. I've said this before, but like to eat your own, live your truth, live and let live, be who you want to be. But we need to actively be aware that this isn't a Christian principle at all. This is not how we live as Christians. I'm not necessarily saying that how everyone thinks all the time or how they live all the time is necessarily bad, but this idea that the truth is just kind of your own opinion for certain things, and I'll go into that in a sec, is not how we should live as Christians. That's not what Jesus says. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to his word and actually following it. We say yes to the word, his words, the word of God. We say yes to that and following it. It isn't like we go, hey Jesus, I'm following you, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to kind of do this. I think this is good. I think this is bad. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to even consult what you say and how you've thought and how you've desired for me to live and conduct myself, for instance, or how you've said that I should live in following you and how I interact with others, all these different kinds of things. It hasn't, it's not how it works. For a lot of things in life, we, do, we don't live as if there's no truth, um, which is another kind of point. We don't live as if there's no truth because uh, for, for Christians, the Word of God gives us this truth. It gives us this truth for a very big amount of people. For so many things we don't, we don't have to wander around kind of aimlessly trying to kind of find what is actually true. We don't need to. We have heaps of it in the Word of God. We have it in God's Word and in life and in the teachings, life and teachings of Jesus. So we have it. It's right there. And for, for what we don't know, for the grey areas, we have some solid things. We have some common ground to kind of go from. We have some, th- uh, some really solid stuff that God's given us and shown us and spoken and shown in his life that we can go off to work out how to navigate these grey areas. We have it. We, we don't live as if we don't have it because it's there. We're creatures of the word. Creatures of the word. Truth for the follower of Jesus is not relative is not truth isn't up to us and our preferences for a lot of things it isn't truth it's like jesus says he is the truth he says i am the way the truth and the life he says he himself is the truth that we need to look to we don't need to he's not saying something else is the truth he's saying he is where truth is found in god we might think that following whatever we want is up to us and that we can make our own decisions and that we can find what is good for us. And we might accidentally run into it. I see that happen all the time. Um, I'm not saying we will always fall, well, fall into the bad thing if we don't follow Jesus. We, we all experience good things in life. But God knows how to navigate it. He, knows the, he almost knows the maze, I guess you could say. Not all ideas are equal and beneficial for the Christian. We need to follow the word of God. 
That is what we've said yesterday. We've said that. We need the common we need this in our church more than ever. In the big C church, like worldwide church. And I've been saying this to Andrew, uh, Pastor Andrew and a bunch of other people, uh, close friends for a while now, that the church in Australia and particularly in the, in the West, the Western world is becoming less and less united merely by the fact that we're letting this kind of idea of relative truth in, that we can actually decide all these different things for ourselves independent of the Word of God. Kind of letting this attitude of to each their own come in. It's, it's toxic. It can be chaotic. Absolutely chaotic. To let the church, to let this happen, to the, into the, let this into the church is by and large to say that, God, I, I don't want you as my truth. I don't want to look to you. I don't actually believe you when you said that you're the truth. That's what we're doing. It's saying, actually, I, I, think, I think I'd do a better job of being God myself and I'll decide what is good and evil. And that, that is like at the, at the start of the Bible. That's one of the first things that Adam and Eve did. They, saw, they, they, they took it upon themselves to almost be God and decide what is good and evil. It's like at the core of what we intend to do and we cannot let this into the church because we're taking his place where he should be. And sure, I get it. I get it. You can have an opinion of whether Vegemite is good or not. I'm not saying that. It, it is amazing and that's absolute truth. No. <laughs> true. Vegemite is actually so good. I love Vegemite. But that is, that, is, that is kind of relative in a way. That is up to your opinion. There are things in life, whether you like pineapple on pizza, um, that's up to you. Some people may judge you really badly and you might get hurt, but uh, yeah, I, I told you. Um, but there are things that we can actually say, no, I don't agree with that. Um, and that's, that's kinds of things. You can't really argue, though, with certain things. Like, for instance, I've been using this example for a little while, but there's kind of the absolute kind of uh, laws of nature that we've we've kind of come across that scientists have have figured out. And like gravity, for instance. Like, you can't really argue with gravity. You can't go, hey, I don't think you're real. See you. Like, like, no. You can't go to the edge of like a a cliff and kind of go, you know what? My truth is that I'm going to keep on walking. Like, you're like, you can't do that. Like, because really you, you can. Sorry, there's nothing stopping you. I don't recommend it. Um, but reality will hit you, literally. You will fall and you'll probably hurt yourself or die, depending on how high it is or whatever circumstances you're in. You're not going to keep walking. I can't walk off this stage and keep kind of just levitatingly walking. It doesn't work. There are actual rules. There actually are ways that this world was made and God made it that way. And in a similar way, um, and I'll, I'll use the example of morals or different things that God talks about, or how he's made us to interact with each other, there are actually things that we can, we can come across that are actually kind of absolutes. They're kind of boundaries in life where we know if, if I lie to someone, for instance, that's going to cause pain. And like that, that's not something you can really argue with. It's something across all cultures, all times, that if you lie, that you're dishonest, it's going to hurt all the time. There's different things that we see all throughout the Bible um, that aren't are a matter of opinion like Vegemite is good or not. Um, and we see that God's woven this into the fabric of this world, into the fabric of us. 
and it's kind of gone wrong a bit in certain ways. And this is all the more the reason why we can't kind of go say no to his word when we need to say yes to it. We need to navigate these things as best as we can because you don't want to be walking off a cliff. You don't want to. You want to actually be safe and you want to lead other people in that way. We need to say yes to his word. So, summarising, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now. Um, I have a few points here. This isn't a three-point sermon, it's almost a five-point. But we should be a people of our word because we serve a God that is good to his word. That was my first point. We should be a people that are good to our word because we serve a God who is good to his word. But more importantly, we want to be good to our word to him because it glorifies him when we do and it defames him when we don't. We want to be a people that take seriously the yes we've given him in following him in all these various different ways. We don't want to be half-hearted about this. I'm not saying it's an overnight thing, you have to be perfect. That's not even what Jesus says. It's that we are striving for it with everything we are. We're striving for it. We say yes to him. We want to be a people who say yes to the truth of his word. That's my last point. We want to be a people that say yes to his truth. Say no to following what we might think is true ourselves. We want to be a people of the word, of our word to each other. We don't want to be a people as people who look into the church that they see a bunch of dishonest people. We want to see, we need to be a people that, that reflect our God who's good to his word, that we're good to our word to each other. So I encourage you tonight, as we're, as we're continuing in these couple of songs, and I encourage you, if, if God's doing something here tonight, um, keep, keep praying. Come find me. Come find a good friend around you um, to pray, to talk. And you might want to do some business with God tonight where you kind of go, God, actually, I, I, I kind of have made you a heart, like a side project. I've said yes to all these things, but my life doesn't seem to be reflecting that. Whatever it might be, I just encourage you to spend some time with God tonight and do that in community. Uh, let me pray. Lord, I thank you. Um, I thank you for this word. I thank you for these words that you spoke um, and how much truth there is in this. Um, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us to be good to our word. Lord, that when we said yes to you, that we will follow through, that you give us everything we need, the strength, the people around us, everything we need to continue to say yes to you and say no to the things we need to say no to. Lord, I pray that when we, when we mess up, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to come straight back to you and just keep pushing forward. Have people around us to encourage us to do that. Um, and, Lord, that you just love us anyway. Even when we mess up, that you love us, that you're there, and that we can run straight back into your arms. Amen.